one billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. An amnesis. Noun. The recollection or remembrance of the past. Reminiscence. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. My name is Zan, and I'm your GM. Thanks for joining us today, and as always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. Tana's signal has led the party to the end of a hallway, and as if the traps weren't enough... Now they have to deal with a seemingly hostile construct. Will they be able to figure out what's going on before something terrible happens? Companions are protected, lights are observed, and names are learned. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallren, and Jory face a mad machine. The four of you have walked down a long hallway and made it to the room at an end of that pathway. BitBit's signal has been going berserk, saying that the person you are looking for, Tana, is down here somewhere. As you approached the see-through force field door, in front of you, you see a woman on the floor with a terrible injury on her arm cowering away from a large golden construct. An automaton with golden plating, a mask with four lit eyes in the front, a crown resembling that of an Aeon Priest hat, and cords with an Order of Truth symbol on its chest. And the last thing that you heard before we picked up again was her screaming as she saw you. I need you to help me, this thing has lost its mind. How would you like to proceed? The door's not yet open. I still have the key, yes? Yes. It didn't fall out of the hole in my pocket. I didn't tell anyone nope. about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> talk, talk about weird RP moments. Be like, oh yeah, you all have the key to this door. Oh no, no, no. It fell out of the hole in my pocket. I'm sorry? Sabotage okay. much? I like the idea of that being a player intrusion. Like Rin just suddenly goes, hey, can I spend XP... To have a to hole in my pocket that no one knew about. Well, I'm running that down so I can bring it back in like 50 episodes. Please do. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the. That's just so very this group. Yep. <laughs> I also love the idea of that being Rin's player intrusion, and it's just like the exact opposite of right tool for the job. Yep. <laughs> Wrong pocket. My pocket. For the job. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is a weird move we're bringing into this one. Sorry, yeah, it is. But that's um, squirrels. Okay. Yeah. squirrels. 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 <laughs> so I have the key. I will do a quick glance at everybody as I draw it out to use it because I hear somebody in distress and I'm not cool with that. <laughs> Brex already has 
their maul like in both hands, ready to like rush in. Swoop! I'ma do it. That force field dissipates and you enter the room and I immediately need everybody to roll initiative. <laughs> Yay. That is a 10 from Smallrin. That is a two for Nehemiah. And that is a five for Jory. All right, so Smallrin. Smallrin's gonna vanish. Amazing. I become invisible. We're all getting ready to do what we're gonna do. All of a sudden you look around and Smallrin isn't there. And then Nehemiah, <laughs> a, a voice pops up next to your ear. If you can get it away from her, I can get her out of the door. Yeah, okay, God, that's just rude. It's even worse when she's invisible. <laughs> so basically, I'm going to take a position directly next to the door, and as soon as the automaton is no longer between the two of us, I'm going to head for her. All right, Shori. <clears throat> um, did I hear that whisper is my question. Probably not. Okay, so here's my plan. <laughs> I am going to pull out my quarterstaff and I'm going to run at this thing as fast as I can. And what would you like to do? Um, I'm assuming if it tries to hit me, I would like to perform defensive phasing. Okay. Which is an action that I will spend for that. Alrighty. And I'm going to phase as I drop to a skid to get to her behind it. Okay. <laughs> what do you need? I swear that this this thing, it, I, I'm telling you, it's lost its mind. It carried me here and tried to help me, and then it turned around and attacked me. It nearly killed me if I hadn't rolled out of the way. Peachy, we'll take care of it. I'll make attempts to try to scoot her away. I, I'm actually going to have you make me a speed roll here to try and start, like, moving her with you. Sure. Go ahead and make a speed level five. Level five, okay. Done and done. Fail with an eleven. You try to start, like, helping her away, but not only is she kind of terrified and having a hard time moving, but your defensive phasing is really great when things are, you know, attacks are passing through you, but sometimes it gets a little bit in the way when you're trying to do other stuff as well, and so, like, you, your grip strength is a little bit weaker. You're not able to pull her as close as you would really like to. It is the Construct's turn. It takes a slight step away from Jory and Tana and pulls one of the floating objects that's kind of around its head, these little cylindrical needle-looking things, like pulls one from the air and throws it like a dart, and it sticks in the ground near your feet, Jory. I need you to make a level four speed defense roll. Aha! And I have an asset. Success with a nine. Wonderful. You see this and you remember Tana saying, had I not rolled out of the way, and you immediately jump to the side. As you do so, I'm going to give you the option here. You can avoid this damage or shield her. I absolutely shield her. Okay. This thing detonates and exploding out of it are just pieces of shrapnel. Ugh, rough. Bits of metal and glass and synth and just sharp edged pieces of debris. It does four points of might damage. And I do not get armor anymore. Not currently. Down we go. It is Brex's turn. Brex also did not hear <laughs> Smallin's plan. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Once Nehemiah will get it barrels in and attempts to smash the construct with their maul and does make connection, but you've seen Brex just obliterate 
almost anything in their path before. The metal doesn't give as much as you would expect. Brex kind of like takes up a position on the opposite side of Jory. Nehemiah. All right, I am going to get in there and try and get our fellow Delver out of the way. As I do that, I want to toss a cipher. I want to use my harassing companion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's good. When active, this cube becomes a small flying automaton that harasses a target for one minute. It flies at the target, getting in the way of its eyes, its movements, and so on. The difficulty of the target's actions is increased by one step at any time the user can take an action to command the automaton to bother a different target within short range. I don't think that'll be necessary in this moment. Probably not. So yeah, I'm going to chuck it at this thing and then run over and try and haul our new friend out of here. Okay. You toss the harassing companion. What does it look like? It says it's a cube on the thing, but I think what it is, the sides of the cube are all metal, and then the rest of it is like this weird kind of like silicone material, and activating it is just like squeezing it, and suddenly it starts lighting up, and each side is a different color light, and it just flashes at like different rates and whatnot. And it's just Simon. Exactly. It's like a Simon, like a squishy Simon. Love it. Squishy Simon. And Squishy Simon just goes and bugs the crap out of this thing. Squishy Simon says, hey, pay attention to me. Yeah. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. I will essentially make it one step easier for you to do things against it. Cool. Because it doesn't, I don't make rolls with it. Right. All right. Smallrin. I'm actually also going to go ahead and use a cipher. I am going to put on the displacement cloak that I've been carrying around for a while. Um, Which, for the moment, no one can tell because I am still personally invisible. (laughs) Can you be impersonally invisible? I mean, yes. The the (laughs) displacement cloak will kind of take care of that. But for the moment, (laughs) don't, don't worry about it. Give me a sec. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to throw on the displacement cloak real quick. And then I am going to pull out the buzzer that I found earlier and take a pot shot at this guy from outside the doorway. So I'm actually going to go just like a very short distance into the hall and take a shot, which making an attack while I'm invisible dispels my invisibility. But since I am wearing the displacement cloak... Um, I personally am still gone. I'm still invisible, but an image of me appears somewhere within immediate range. Oof. Okay. So I reappear, but I'm standing about a foot to the left of where I actually am. Okay. Still outside the door? (laughs) Still outside. I'm a little ways down the hall, so I'm trying to draw this thing's focus. Okay, go ahead and roll. Because of the harassing companion, we're going to take that down to a level four. And with a ranged weapon, it's going to be a speed attack. Awesome. I'm going to spend for a point of effort. Mm. Failure with a three. Low. Ooh, actually, we're going to try a little late inspiration. So you see the image of Smallrin. The shot goes wide. Smallrin kind of turns the buzzer and looks at it and like gives it a little shake. And then try, try again. And I get an asset on it this time. Success with a 13. You hit the construct upside the head. It doesn't do any damage, but... It does turn its head towards you, and you have its attention for the moment, at least visually. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. (laughs) Jory, your turn. Okay. 
Well, I've just been hurt. Am I mad or am I worried about her? Am I mad or am I... You know what? I'm going to poke it because <laughs> that offense is going to be the best defense right now. I've decided. I'm just going to hit it. I'm just going to kind of get myself up despite some uh, shrapnel and I'm going to whack it. It's going to be a level four might. Okay. Uh, success with a 13, so that's lovely. Wonderful. And uh, I believe four damage. Mm-hmm. You bring your staff down. Where do you try to hit it? It's the in-between of something. Like uh, in-between, I'm looking for cracks. I'm looking for joints, that sort of thing, in this mechanical situation. So either like the neck area, if there's like a spot there, or uh, under a knee, something like that. We'll say you try to sweep the leg with your staff. Done. I'm down there. It makes sense. You do so, and it, again, are getting the sense that in hitting this, it has a little more resistance. Mechanically, this thing has two armor. Okay, I figured it'd be high. <laughs> you do some damage, but not as much as you would normally expect. Okay, that's fine. It's the Construct's turn. The knee buckles a little bit. Its attention had turned towards Smallrin down the hallway, and as you catch it in the back of the knee, and that trips up for a second, it turns its attention back towards you, and... I'm going to use a GM intrusion here. Okay. You see the color of the eyes shift. Okay. From red to green. Ooh. In this moment, would you like to give me an XP to say, no, I don't want whatever is going to happen? Or would you like to take the XP and give a second one to someone else who's helping you on the moment? I will take the XP. I'll give it to Nehemiah. So you're right next to each other. Yes. So Nehemiah, you see this too. The mm. eyes, the four eyes across the mask turn. And the entire demeanor of this automaton changes. It goes from being stood up to its full height and imposing and domineering and violent to crouching down a little bit mm-hmm. and softer, less angular movements. And it looks to the two of you, but then sees Tana behind you and kind of like crouches down and tries to reach for her between the two of you. Mm -hmm. Very gently, pushing the two of you aside, almost in the same way you would see someone who's like, please, please, please move out of the way. I need to get to her. Mm -hmm. And is trying to push the two of you out of the way to try and get to her behind Mm -hmm. you. Gotcha. And that is what it does this round. Brex cannot see the eyes as they are on the other side. Yep. So goes to smash again and again brings it down, this time kind of like to the ribcage area and does some damage. I look to Tana. Can you move? Uh, Yeah, I I think so. All right, stay behind me. And I would like to use my turn to essentially be human shield for Tana so we can get her out of the room. Awesome. Awesome. As the construct is trying to push past you to get to her, mm-hmm. you take a step out and again, put yourself in between yep. and start slowly shifting, mm-hmm. being that barrier in between the mm-hmm. two of them. And you see the construct lunge for her again in a, I feel like the three of you have all had enough experience interacting with people, animals, etc., that you can tell the difference between violence and desperation. And this thing is desperately trying to get to her. Mm -hmm. But Nehemiah is currently in the way. Nehemiah, you see it uh, reaching towards one of the things that's floating around. 
This time, a small circular piece of metal is what it's grabbing for. Mm-hmm. Smallrin. Well, Smallrin realizes the buzzer isn't necessarily the way to go for this. She needs something with a little more finesse. So she runs forward, grabbing the spear that she has, and she's basically going to try and like knock this out of its hands before it can use it. Go ahead and roll might. Level four. Spend for a point of effort. Since I am trying to do something with a level of finesse, would you accept espionage for this? I don't think so. Okay. Not with this particular one. Always worth a shot. <laughs> I know. Remember, kids, they won't give you anything unless you ask. Sometimes <laughs> they won't give it to you any- anyway. <laughs> but if you don't ask, you'll never know. You'll never know. Success with a 14. Nice. You swing the spear and catch this circular piece of metal and knock it out of the way and out of whatever energy is holding it in place, floating around this automaton, and it hits the floor and breaks open. And I'm going to say that everyone nearby, uh, because Smallrin's there and the other two are pretty close as well, you smell the telltale sign of a restoration cipher. Mm. You've all used these before. The ones that restore points to given pools. It's a medicinal, sweet scent, and that's what it was reaching for. But as you knock that out of its reach, Smallrin, it turns towards you, and the eyes flash into red again. And that posture again changes, upright, rigid, and ready for violence. Jory. Well, I think I found its magic happy switch, so I'm going to try to bash it behind the other knee. (laughs) (sighs) 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 Oh, no. Friends, sometimes you use a GM intrusion to insert a plot point into the game, and your players run with the strangest thing connected to it. Oh, no. I honestly did consider that. I was like, I am tempted to try the knee thing, but also... I think it's interesting. I can't guarantee this is what's going to work, but I like the idea. Let's do it. If you want to hit the other knee, go Uh, ahead and roll. I'm going to do it. Sweet Uh, leg. It was, um, was it for difficulty? Might four. And whip. And I failed with an 11. Nope. How does this not go well? God, I'm a masochist today. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to think uh, it bounces off a less jointy, harder surface on either above or below the joint. And it it like just swings back and nearly hits me. <laughs> but doesn't. Yes. I'm pretty sure you described that exact scenario in a previous episode. Did I? Your staff, I'm pretty sure that you had it bounce back and almost hit you. I really need to be more careful about how I use this thing. You, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not, I need to think of better things. It's Jory going, I need to learn how to use my weapon better. (laughs) This has become a consistent problem. That's funny. (laughs) Once again, with the construct, being in red mode. It reaches for one of these cylinders and this time takes a step back and throws it at the ground. Everybody to make a speed defense level four. So since I'm wearing the displacement cloak, it says the difficulty of my speed defense rolls is reduced by three steps until the effect ends, which is 10 minutes. So a level one for you. Yay. 
Success with a 13 for small red. Fail okay. with a 7 for Jory. I'm going to use a point of effort to bring that mm-hmm. down. Roll. Success with a 15. Wonderful. Nehemiah, you have been playing human shield here. You can forgo your success to give it to Tana if you'd like. Yes. Can I do that using my step in front ability? Yeah. Excellent, because I get additional armor for doing that. Awesome. Okay. So with the displacement cloak, Smolrin is easily able to avoid this. Jory, unfortunately, does get hit again, and Nehemiah stands his ground, making sure to protect the person behind him as much as possible. Everyone is going to take four points of might damage. Armor does apply. Excellent. I take no damage. Amazing. Lovely. I get plus two and I have two armor. So good. That's very good. Jory. (laughs) I took all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At this point, I think I'm kind of draping myself over Tana (laughs) because there's not much else I can do. I think I'm probably bleeding a lot. <laughs> Brex once again goes to try and hit it. Brex is just nickel and diming this thing, kind of like taking whatever shots that they can. Mm-hmm. But on this particular hit, it has started to slow down a little bit. And as Brex hits it, hits it right upside the head. As that happens, you notice the eyes turn green again. Mm. And again, posture changes, approach changes. And this time, it's not the Construct's turn, but this is what you see kind of like starting to happen. It sees how hurt Jory is and takes a step towards her. Mm. I think perhaps we let it do what it's going to do unless it looks like the eyes are going to change again. Okay. Nehemiah, it's your turn. So you don't want me to hit it right now? I think that would be disastrous. All right, Tana, let's get you out of here. Okay. And she starts again, kind of moving it as quickly as she can. I will stay in between her and the construct. And it is letting you go at this point. Cool. Small room. I'm going to go over to Jory, try to help prop Jory up. I'm going to try to talk to it. Are you still invisible? I am personally invisible, but there is a perfect facsimile of me a foot to the left. So I approach Jory. And I stop a foot away and start looking like I'm picking something up in midair at the same time that she feels me start trying to, like, lift her. So you just look telekinetic. Yes. It's fine. Smallrin has kind of, like, kind of forgotten that she's wearing it at this point. There's a lot going on. (laughs) And even if she remembered, she would hope that Jory's just too injured to freak out too much about it. (laughs) All right, so you start to pick Jory up. Anything else? Our friend is hurt now because of you. Can you help us? Those eyes stay green, and it is making to head towards Jory. Smallrun, as you're taking a closer look at this, not in the throes of trying to either damage it or deal with a, a dangerous situation, you see on the back of its head, there is a square hole. Something's missing. But it looks at the other people in the room, feasibly looking to see how bad off people are, and then continues to look towards Jory. Jory! I'm using my staff to kind of help this ghost lift me up. <laughs> Either I've gained some powers or small rins behind me. Um, okay. I am. Don't worry. Uh, okay. Up we go. Do I, uh, do I take this shrapnel out or do I leave it in? I don't remember. 
I would advise leaving it in until we can get you professional attention. If nothing else, it's stopping the hole. I look at the construct. Is is, is this thing the professional attention? <laughs> because I'm having a bit of anxiety. Can we move back a bit? <laughs> Anything on your turn? No. Just standing up? Yes. That's fair. That's fair. The automaton takes its steps towards you. Again, floating around it, it pulls one of these spheres and twists it and then kind of like sets it in front of your face and it hovers around you, covering you in a very fine mist of whatever the liquid was that had cracked open and spilled onto the floor earlier and you heal five might points. Okay. That's um, less pain. Less pain. Just out of curiosity, I just, for a visual, mm-hmm. does the shrapnel push itself out when I heal this? Some thing? of them do. Interesting. Kind of like Wolverine. I Oh, cool. I like this green stuff. Did I say it was green? I thought you, maybe I just pictured it that way. Sorry. I like, no, I like it as green. I, did, I don't think I said what color it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think because its eyes were green, I just kind of, bit, bit, bit. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. I like when you all create things in the world. <laughs> and that is the automaton's turn. Mm. Brex, Brex's visor has gone nearly black oh, at no. this point. Mm. Like not not full black. You've seen it, full dark, battle rage. They still have some understanding right now, uh, but it's a very very dark blue. It's very much in the mode of destroy, protect, that kind of stuff. Before I have Brex take action, does anyone want to try to explain to Brex what is happening? Hold off, buddy. We're just trying to see what this thing's trying to actually do here. I'm good. Give it a second. That felt okay. If you whack it again, it might become angry. I think it's an odds and evens thing. (laughs) I love you all so much. (laughs) You both call out to hold off. I'm okay. We're seeing what's going on here. Brex hesitates for a moment and takes a step back, still having their maul very ready in their hands, but is not fully swinging and kind of essentially takes a holding position and you see the visor go a little bit more towards the blue. Nehemiah, the two of you are out of the room. You are in the hallway. All right, now that we are out and the things inside are not immediately on fire, I kind of want to assess them and kind of see how they're actually doing. In terms of just like physical damage? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Tana has a really deep wound on her arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that has probably already made her a little bit weak and woozy. Mm-hmm. She is kind of like shaky on her feet. It looks like she sustained a head wound of some sort. Not like open wound, but like maybe hit her head on something or was hit with gotcha. something blunt. Gotcha. You can see like a bruise and a goose egg on her head. All right. But that is all you see externally. All right. Sit down for a second. We're going to try and figure out what the heck is going on in there, but you you look pretty rough. How are you feeling? I don't feel great. That robot is... <laughs> it, seriously, I, I hit myself in the head trying to run away from some terrible creature that's down here, and I ran headlong into a bar of some sort. There was something hanging down, and I ran into it, and it came up and tried to help me, and that was great, and it carried me here, but the minute it did, it turned on me. I don't know what happened, but those eyes turned red, and it started attacking me. So, like, as soon as you were healed up, 
this thing went into to murder mode again. Maybe I, it, it didn't do a whole lot. I mean, some, but like I. It, All right. You know, there there was a noise. Maybe that was it. I I don't know. It just I don't know what triggers it. I unfortunately can't take care of any of this, but sit tight for a second. I'm going to make sure that this thing doesn't rip my friends to shreds and then we're going to help you out, okay? So sit tight. Okay. Yeah, no, I I will happily wait here. Cool. All right. And I will head back into the room. Okay. Small room. Now that Jory seems to be somewhat stabilized, my Ogren orb is doing its normal thing, but I'd, right. I'd like to kind of cue into that connection that we have and basically tell it like, okay, here's the shape of the hole that we see in the back of the head. I need you to find me everything in this room that is that shape and size. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you roll investigation. It's going to be a level five. The orb gives you an asset, I will say in this. Success with a 10. Wonderful. It's looking and looking and looking. There's nothing in this room that matches it. But you kind of get a tug at the back of your mind. A memory. Jory picked up a cube. Mm. Back in the area where all the smaller automatons were just kind of absentmindedly kicking it around. And your orb seems to think it is the same shape and size. All right. Uh, Jory, you... You see the image of Smallrin. You feel Smallrin move away from you. You see the image of Smallrin move further away from you, from the foot away from you it already was. That um, tracks. And all of a sudden comes rushing back towards you and stops a foot away and looks as if it's reaching out for you and you feel a hand on your shoulder. <laughs> uh, my senses are so confused. <laughs> well done. Jory. Do you still have the cube that you picked up in the room with all the small automatons? The one that was just on the floor? Oh, I I think so. Let me um shuffle a bit in the, uh, this pocket carrier thing. That, um, okay. Uh, is it this? This thing? No, that's my toothbrush. Uh, no, it's this. It's this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Does Jory have a cube-shaped toothbrush? How in the world would you mistake those two things? I like to... So here's here's where my mind immediately went. <laughs> this is a tangent we're taking. So okay. my, my mind immediately went to, like, there is... It's a cube-shaped box, and within the box is what essentially looks like a mouth guard. Yeah. And you put the mouth guard in, and within the mouth guard, it has all these little like rotating yeah. bristles, and that's how Jory brushes her teeth. I will give okay. up every IO Amazing. I have to make this real. <laughs> I don't I, know that you know I what? Have no, I'm I'm here for that. That is so like such a mundane everyday thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's your toothbrush. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> And it's a cube-shaped box. It's roughly the same Thank size. Thank you for that amazing bit of creativity. Yes, so you pick up a cube. It's actually your toothbrush, not that one. The other two. Okay. This one. This one. Is it this? Do you mean this? I think so. I'm going to take the cube, and I'm going to approach the automaton. Speaking kind of softly to it, it seemed like it might have heard me last time. I believe I have something that will help you to help us. Give me a moment. I'm just going to put this back and kind of approach it from the back and reach up and try to slot this into place. You reach up and push it in. And there's a little bit of resistance at first, but then you feel a click. And for a third time now, the posture changes. The eyes turn blue. And instead of being hunched and distressed or 
broad-shouldered and defensive. It instead adopts a relaxed posture, the same way that someone just talking in a room with someone else might adopt a very casual and natural looking stance and takes a moment to kind of look around the room and see who's there, see what's going on. And it speaks. Thank you for that. And looks at Jory and looks out the door to Nehemiah and where Tana is a little bit farther down the hall. I think there's some explaining to do. Uh Uh-huh. First, may I help you out a little bit more than I did previously? Uh, Do you have a headband or some tape? Because I think you need to use it to keep that thing in your noggin. No, it will stay where it is now. Okay. Let me see to your wounds. We will move from there, if you will allow me to. Okay. Well, it's more in. What do you what do you think? Yes? I think as long as we adopt all the normal caution we would have when approaching someone we've never met before, we'll be fine. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm Jory and if you have some uh, gauze, I I take it. I would. The construct takes some time to bandage you up, take the pieces of shrapnel out of you. Uses another one of those spheres does try to approach Tana to do the same, and she refuses. She's not really buying into whatever this is right now. And the automaton doesn't push that, but lets her be and does not try to force any sort of help onto her. Maybe if we took something you have, we can we can use it? What do you think? By all means, they take the last sphere that they have and hand it to you. You'll need to twist it counterclockwise. Okay. And you're sure this is not the shrapnel one? Yeah, because that would be awkward. I am positive, yes. The shrapnel ones appear to be sharper. That's true, but maybe it's a sneak one. I don't know. Nehemiah? Yeah. Do you think you could... Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'll take the thing and go over. It's like, all right, can I do this? You trust it? Yeah, I think so. Look, and if I'm wrong, I'm right here with you. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. And counterclockwise. And again, it floats and distributes a mist over the top of her head and around her body Mm -hmm. and heals her up a bit. You see the wound on her arm close up a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. I wonder what would have happened if we'd put my toothbrush in the back of its head. (laughs) Tana agrees to kind of come back, but stays very close to the door. But the rest of you come back in and talk to this automaton. As I said, I believe there is a little bit of explaining to do. My name is Lakra. Thank you so much for listening to episode 89 of Imprinted Echoes and Amnesis. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website, imprintedechoes.com. On that website, you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you're able to help us out monetarily. And on that note, I'd like to thank Savani, Two Nerds in a Pod, and Ice Tear Brewing for their continued support. If you'd like to help us out in other ways, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. And of course, you can find our hosts on Twitter, Myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, 
Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And be sure to follow our network, Ghostlight Media, at GLM Pods. Thank you once again for listening, and I hope you'll be back in two weeks to hear yet another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Alex Berkowitz. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.